Good morning. For those of you watching online, welcome back. Uh, Today's scripture reading is going to be coming from the book of James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Uh, Please follow along in your Bibles or the screens behind me. Not many of you should should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a very small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our God and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray. Lord God, help us to turn our hearts to you and hear what we'll speak. For you speak peace to the people through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Carl. Good morning. My name is Jim Eaton, and I'm the youth pastor here at First Covenant Church, just in case you we haven't met yet. Sometimes it's helpful to know who you're hearing from. Uh, well, you guys are the third service today, which means we don't have a service that I have to be done by. So we'll try and be done about two o'clock. Hopefully that's all right with you guys. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it is great to see you all. And we are indeed journeying through James chapter 3, 1 through 12 today. And the question that I want to ask here at the beginning is this. I want to invite you to raise your hand if you have ever said something that you wish you hadn't, that you regretted. In online, you can raise your hands too. Yeah. Okay. We've all said something that we wish we had never said. It's that moment where, you know, you speak the words and it's like slow motion. All of a sudden, those words are just traveling. They're out of your mouth and you try to grab them and like shove them back in, but you just can't. Do it. And, and, and then they hit the ears of the person that, you, that they're going to. And you know before those words even get to that person what you've done. It's not good. 
We've all experienced that. I remember this one time when I was in middle school. I was sitting at the lunch table where uh, my, my friends and I were eating lunch and there was a kid at an, another table nearby and, and we were, everybody was talking not so good things about him. And I was joining in that and even uh, agreed with it and even added my own words to the fire. And one of the kids was like, oh, you said that I'm going to go tell him. And I was like, what? what? No, you didn't do that with anybody else. But it was my words that were singled out. And this kid went over to the other table and, and told that group what I had said about this kid. And, and this kid didn't come over, but his buddies came over, tapped me on the shoulder a minute later. And were like, Jim, did you say this? And I was like, I should have lied. But I was like, yeah. And I told the truth. So there you go. Um, maybe a little redemption. And they were like, all right, well, this kid wants to meet you after school tomorrow behind uh, uh, in the yard. and He's going to beat you up. You're going to fight. He wants to fight you. And I'm like, what? How in the world did I end up in this position? I've heard about these kind of situations, but I've never been in one ever in my life. What do I even do with this? So that night I went home after school and, and uh, started to <clears throat> get a little sick, so to speak. And uh, tried to convince my mom and dad, ah, I'm just not feeling good. I, I need to, to stay home from school tomorrow. And they were like, uh, no, you're going to school. You're fine. And even the next morning, I still had a, no fever and, and anything like that. And so they, they were like, you're going to school. And so I went to school with fear and trepidation that day, made it all the way through the day. Thankfully, didn't even run into the, the person. But then at the end of the day, the last class period, I, we were lined up at the door. I was the first one at the door. And as soon as the bell rang, boom, bolted to the bus and got on the bus, found my seat like in the back corner. So if anybody came on the bus, they would have to really work to find me. And I hid down at below the level of the window on the side of the bus, which isn't a lot of room. And I, but I was just crunched down there, hiding, hoping that no one who was part of that group would, would see through the bus if they were looking for me, that they would see me on the bus and, and, and try to come on the bus and get me. And thankfully, no one found me and I was able to leave and get home and be fine. And nothing ever came of it. Praise the Lord. But I learned that day the power of words. My words that left my mouth at the lunch table had a negative impact on this other person, but then it also was going to have a physical impact on me if, uh, if it came to that. But then I compounded it by lying to my parents, trying to convince them that I was sick and needed to stay home from school. And in some ways, I'm kind of glad they made me go to school and face it because I had to face a difficult thing in the tough, in a tough spot. Well, we have all experienced the power of negative words in our lives. We've all experienced the power of positive words in our lives. We know that words have power. And we know that from Genesis chapter one, we go all the way back to the beginning of scripture and we hear from the author of Genesis that God spoke creation into existence. He says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let there be vegetation. And there was vegetation. God said, let there be animals. And there were animals. The power of words is incredible. And it is the power to create. And then in Genesis 3, we, we get the other side of that. We see the, the destructive power of words. You have the Satan as the serpent in the garden speaking to Adam and Eve. And he's speaking some lies to them about who they are and about what they could be. 
trying to convince them that they could be like God, that they could be powerful like God, that they could have knowledge like God if only they ate from this fruit of this tree that he told them not to eat from. And they gave in. They believed the lies, the destructive words of the enemy. They ate the fruit, and from that point forward, broken relationship with God was the result. The words have the power to destroy and Solomon, as he, in writing Proverbs in 18, chapter 18, verse 21, he says that uh, the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. Indeed, it does. We can speak life with our tongue or we can speak death with our tongue. Words have the power to hurt and words have the power to heal. We have, there's this incredible power wrapped up in words. We've all experienced both the life-giving and life-taking power of words. Maybe in your life someone has you know, maybe made fun of the way you dress. That was me a lot when I was a kid because I was not very fashionable. Hopefully I'm okay today. I think I've learned a little bit. Uh, I, and I, I dressed myself today. I'll give myself credit for that. Usually my wife, who's laughing back there, has something to do with that. But, you know, today I did it myself. Yay! Hey, I'm, I'm getting positive words from everybody. This is great. Maybe, and it, maybe it was necessary, but maybe you've heard the words, I'm breaking up with you. That's a tough thing to hear. It might be necessary, but tough to hear nonetheless. Maybe, though, someone's spoken words of you, over you that, that you're not wanted. Or they've communicated that you're not special. Or they, they just don't want you in their life. Those are difficult words to hear. Maybe you've said those things to other people. Or on the other hand, maybe the positive words have been spoken into your life. Something like, like a coach or a mentor, a pastor, a parent, whoever has said something like, I see greatness in you. It makes you feel awesome. And you're like, yeah, let's go. I can conquer the world. Or maybe they've said, you can do this. Maybe, a, maybe as parents, we coach or we're beside our kids as they're struggling with math and social studies and science subjects or whatever. And we're beside them, cheering them on. You can do this. Come on. You got this. Or maybe someone has done that for you. Um, we, maybe someone's spoken the words to you that, that I'm, they said, I'm proud of you. Or you are special. Those words give life to our heart. They give life to our soul and they charge us up and they get us going. So I want to ask you this question. Raise your hand if you've ever said words that you were glad that you said to someone. Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Yeah, most of us have experienced that as well, where we have said something that has blessed someone else and it has brought life to them. I learned that it was reminded of the power of these of, of words like that in my own life this week. My, I have two daughters. I'm not the father of sons, but I'm sure this is just as important if you're a father of sons. But I have two daughters, 16 and 18 years old. And ever since they were little, I've spoken words over them very intentionally. I, I tell them I love them, obviously, but then I tell them, I've, I've always told them I'm proud of you. I tell them how beautiful they are. And one of my favorite things to tell them is how much I am so glad that God gifted them to me and that I get to be their daddy and how special an honor that is for me. That's an incredible thing that I love speaking over my kids. Well, I've spoken that to them for years. And this, this last week, one of my daughters was walking into the mall and some guy in a, was driving by and catcalled to her. 
treated her very disrespectfully. And, I was, and, and she just knew who she was, though. She kept her head up. She kept walking, not even giving this guy a glance because she knew that she was worth more than how he was treating her. And so I am so grateful that I spoke those words into the life of my daughter. Uh, and, and she was able to respond that way, knowing who she is. I'm so glad for the times when I get it right with my wife and I speak good things and I am able to, to bless her with my words. Now, hear me say, I'm not perfect, right? I'm, I'm, I, I don't get it right 100% of the time, but those times when I do get it right, it is so awesome to be able to bless my wife with words of encouragement. We know that words are powerful. They have the words, we have, they have the power to create or destroy. And I love how James articulates this in his, in his message to the church in chapter three. I love how he illustrates both the power and the responsibility that we have with our words. And so look, let's look at uh, chapter three, verses one through 12. The interesting thing about this passage is that James starts with a specific word to teachers in the church. He's talking this message, speaking this message to the entire body of believers. But he says this is especially important for anyone who teaches in the church because there were some folks trying to grab power for themselves or grab, putting themselves in a position to teach so they would look good or so that they could maybe push their own agenda. Whatever the reason, they were, they were trying to be teachers for the wrong reasons. And James warns them and says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So this is a specific message to those who are teaching in the church. And I want to ask us right now, we have so many people in our church that have stepped up to this plate and, and, and agreed to teach Sunday school for kids, for youth, to be youth, uh, youth group or, or children's ministry leaders on Wednesday nights, to lead adult life groups or youth life groups, or serve on a board or in whatever capacity. We have so many people in our congregation who have stepped up to this plate to live by a little bit higher standard than the rest. So can we thank them for being willing to do that this morning? Can we just, with a round of applause, can we just say thank you to all those who stepped up and teach in our context? You guys are very important to us, and we are so grateful for you and your willingness to serve our community in that way. So moving on, James says in verse 2, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. James is saying this a little bit sarcastically, because in reality, none of us can tame the tongue. But James is saying, if you have your tongue in check, Chances are the rest of your life will be in a, in a good path, honoring and glorifying our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But if your tongue is not in check, then it's a pretty good indicator of the rest of your life and where your heart is truly at. Then he gives three awesome, really clear examples. First, he says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the entire animal I don't know if you've ever tried to push a horse to move, but every, a few times in my life I've had that opportunity. If you push a horse, it either doesn't move or it gets really kind of ticked off at you and, and kicks back. Not fun. But as soon as you put a little four-inch piece of metal in the, in the mouth of a horse, you now have control of the entire animal. That's an incredible image that James uses. In verse 4 he says, or take ships as an example. 
Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. And I think this is a great image for anyone who is leading a group of people. If you think of the ship as your group that you're leading and you are the rudder, your tongue, your mouth, what you say is the rudder. You literally can direct and guide the rest of the people in your group where, where you want them to go. Not necessarily where they need to go. You have the power to direct them where you want them to go. And so that's a question for us is are we directing people towards Christ, towards the cross? In verse 5, he gives another image of a fire. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by just a small spark. In the middle school lunchroom, for me, a little spark of a few words that I wasn't really even paying attention to created a fire in my life. Not a good thing. I grew up in Minnesota and often heard the story of a, a town called Hinkley, Minnesota, which was uh, around the late 1800s, early 1900s, was burned uh, to the ground and acres and acres and acres of farmland and prairie were burned. It was a summer of drought and it was all started by a train that went through town and sparks from the wheels on the rails went into the grass and lit the grass on fire and ended up spreading wildfire through the area and burning so much area. And many people lost their lives as a result of that. Just a small spark created an inferno of destruction and damage. And our words have that same power, James is saying. He continues, in fact, with verse 6, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on, on fire by hell. Wow. That is incredible imagery to talk about the power of our tongue. Verse 7, he continues, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Indeed, no one can tame the tongue. And I want to talk for just a minute about what we say when we say the word tongue. What is James referring to? He is referring to our mouth, obviously, and our spoken word, the things that we speak out loud. But James is also talking about things that we communicate, not just with our mouths, but with our word, with a, a pen as well. Words that we write have power. We've heard the, the, the phrase, the saying, the pen is mightier than the sword, right? We can write some pretty damaging things. And in our context today, we have these things that are called computers that have keyboards. And it's so easy to write something or on our phones to, to type out something damaging to someone else. It's so easy to forget that, that when, when we're in that, in that world on our phones, that there is actually someone else on the other end of that internet connection. It's so easy to forget that and to, to write a, an email that's, that's scolding or cutting, damaging, or to, to just lob something out on Facebook or Twitter, uh, or even in your, in your Snapchat group. And, and you're in a group chat with people and, and you're talking about things that, 
that maybe you shouldn't be talking about. You're gossiping about someone or slandering someone and you're not speaking words of life. It's so tempting to fall in to that spot. And so we have to be really, really careful what we do with that. I want to challenge you with this idea. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the wellspring of life. I want to challenge you with this. I think our mouth is the spigot of our heart. I think our actions are that way too. But it, our mouth tends to be so much quicker and faster than our actions. I want to suggest that our mouth, that your mouth is the spigot of your heart. And what you say reflects what's the reality of your heart. Does the spigot of your heart put out good, clean, pure, refreshing water that would be uh, uh, pleasing to anyone around you? Or does it put out dirty, gross, smelly, brown, stinky water that no one would want to touch? Or is it a blend of the two? And even then, the blend is still not appetizing or pleasing, right? And in fact, that's what James continues with. He says, with the tongue, in verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. We do two separate things that are contradictory. We curse human beings who have been made in the image of God. We curse other people. When we say bad things about other people, we are actually talking about the very image of God. And that is a scary thing. Verse 10, out of the same mouth come praise and out of the same mouth come cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is a tough challenge from James, but we've got to consider it. And Paul writes something similar in, in the book of Ephesus, the letter to the Ephesians, the church there. Paul writes in, in chapter 4, verse 29, he says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building others up according to their needs. Speak life. Speak life. Encourage one another. Build one another up. I remember a, a number of years ago, I had a student in my, in our youth ministry. And one night, uh, on a Wednesday night during our youth program, I talked about the unconditional love of Jesus. And I talked about how nothing, you, you're never, you're never too far away or too far gone for Jesus to love you or to have relationship with Jesus. And I remember, uh, we, we ended the service and students went to small groups and, and I walked out into the hallway and this, the student was crying and we'll call her Karen and Karen was crying. And I mean, just not just like a tear, but I mean, she was sobbing and I went over to Karen and I said, Karen, what, what's up? What's going on? And she said, Jim, I cannot believe the words that you talked, said tonight about Jesus and me. She's literally, I cannot, I do not have the ability to believe that. And, and I said, well, what, why? What's, what happened? What's going on? She said, my whole life, my dad has been telling me that I'm worthless, that he wished I wasn't born, that I am no good, that I am ugly, that, that no one could ever love me. 
really love me and certainly that God would never accept me, that I would never be good enough for God. And so I shouldn't even bother. In that moment, I broke down as well hearing that story. I mean, obviously it impacted me. And in that moment, I had the opportunity to unpack that more with her and to speak the truth of the gospel into her life and to get her to a point where she could maybe actually understand and accept that Jesus loves her no matter what she's been going through, no matter what she believed about herself, that Jesus loved her. In that moment, there was a crossroads for her, a change of direction. You see, the, the words of her dad had been guiding her life on a certain course, a certain trajectory. And the Lord used me, thankfully, in an opportunity to speak words of life, to change the trajectory of her life. And she began to think differently about herself. And I've lost track of Karen. I don't know where she is. But when I think about her, I pray that the words that I was able to speak in that moment resonated with her and, and that she is still continuing on a trajectory toward Christ. And I invite you to pray with me for her when you think of her. The directive from James is to speak life. So the question is, what does that look like in your life to speak life? Two questions to think about. The first question is, how do you speak to other people in your life? How do you speak to your kids? How do you speak to your spouse? How do you speak to your employees? How do you speak to your boss? Do you speak life in those situations? And maybe the the harder question to wrestle with, but the more important question is, how do you speak about people especially when you're not face-to-face with them. Because that's when it's really easy for gossip and slander and cutting words to come out. And when we speak negatively about people, with other people, we create a culture that, that, that cultivates that, that negative uh, spot, instead of creating a culture that speaks positively and encourages one another. We create a culture of death instead of a culture of life, especially as leaders. We want to create a culture of life where we're speaking positively about one another and encouraging one another and lifting one another up and pushing each other towards Jesus and towards the cross with our words. I love this quote from Brennan Manning, author and speaker. He says, in every encounter, we either give life or we drain it. There is no neutral encounter. In every encounter, we either give life or we drain it. There is no neutral encounter. Every moment that we have to speak, our words matter. What we say matters. Are we speaking life or are we speaking death? Are we speaking hurt or are we speaking wholeness? In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, a new command I give you that you love one another. They will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. And I, I think one of the best ways that we can love one another is by speaking life to one another, by speaking the truth of scripture to one another, by reminding each other whose we are 
and who we are as God's created children, wonderfully and beautifully made in his image. Imagine if we developed a reputation as a congregation that was generous with its life-giving words. Imagine the impact that could have in Salina if we just set ourselves on that course to speak life to those in our community, in our jobs, um, in our uh, schools, in our sports teams, as, as coaches and mentors in the community. Imagine the impact that would have for the kingdom of God. That would be incredible, not for our own glory, but for the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, so that others might come to know him, be attracted to our community because of the way we speak to one another. That would be awesome and amazing. And I don't think we'd necessarily do a bad job of that, but wow, could we do better? Could we reach more people by the way we speak to one another? So right now, I want to invite you to put that into action. I want to invite you to pull out your cell phone, your tablet. If you're worshiping with us online, I invite you to join us and do this as well. And right now, I want to invite you to think, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to think of a person or two that you can text an encouraging word to or send a Facebook message to or a quick email, but someone that you can send a message to. Or if you don't have a way to do that right now, write it down and and do it later today. Now, I am not good at coming up with really cool things to say, so uh, I've, I've made a list, but you're probably better at it than I am. So feel free to come up with your own encouraging word, um, but if you're like me and you would normally just Google something like this, then uh, you can use this list or Google it. Sometimes I'm like, what should I say to my wife today? I really want to encourage her. And I'm like, I have no idea. I'll Google it. <laughs> Makes me look like a hero, and yeah. So thanks, Google. (laughs) So I'm going to do this too. So 30 seconds, go. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to immerse ourselves in your word today. We thank you for the reminder and and the wisdom from James to consider our speech, to consider the words that we say and type and write and the impact that they have. God, we want our words to honor you and to glorify you. And God, we want to to be generous with life-giving words. Because you've been generous, generous with us by speaking truth into our lives, to our hearts, to our minds about who we are. And right now, Lord, we want to pray for these words that we have just texted or emailed or Facebook messaged or however we've communicated them. God, we want to pray that these words would be encouraging to the recipients. In, in, in places where there's, there's despair, God, we pray that you would bring encouragement. God, in, in places of, of frustration, we pray that you would bring clarity and, and redemption. God, in places of, of emptiness, we pray that you would bring your presence and you would bring wholeness. Whatever people are dealing with, Lord, I pray that these words would be a, a, a lifeline, a message, and that they would impact people 
so positively, that they would be drawn closer to you, to your word and and into relationship with you, that they might come to know you as their savior. Father God, thank you for using us as your hands and your feet and also your mouthpiece. May we, Lord, have clean water coming out of our mouths. Would you purify us? We know that you promise to do that when we confess our sin, that you, you promise to purify us, that you, are faith, you say that you are faithful and just to purify us of our unrighteousness. And right now, God, we confess the times where we have not been good with our words, where we have spoken harshly or spoken death. And we ask for your forgiveness. We ask that you would purify us so that we can speak life to the world around us. We are so grateful for your love, for your grace and your mercy in our lives. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.